Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-Ray Tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. This probably saves the average media buyer like tens, like tens of hours per week, which is a lot. Just trying to figure out where to go and when. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Was your Black Friday Cyber Monday not quite as great as you wanted it to be? Did you feel like you were leaving money on the table? You knew you could have made more sales, but you just didn't know where that money was lying on the table? Well, it's probably because you have some blind spots in your business. We here at Perpetual Traffic want to make 2024 your best year ever. And now is the time to plan for it and set yourself up for 2024. It is not after the first of the year because by the time you actually start doing your planning after January 1st, you've already missed a month. So get that planning done now and do it on us. We are giving away 10 free audits, which goes through all of your ad platforms, all the platforms that you're spending money on right now, or maybe the ones that you're maybe not spending money on, but we feel that there is a great opportunity for you to spend and scale and grow. We'll also look at everything after the click for your CRO, your conversion architecture, as we call it. We'll even analyze your email sequences. And most importantly, we'll look at your data how you're actually capturing visitors information and how it's tracking all the way to your CRM or whatever your source of truth is. And we do this through a comprehensive audit where we rate each section of your customer acquisition path, give you a rating, and then give some recommendations as to what you should do in order to have 2024 be the best year ever. Now, we're only going to offer this for 10 lucky businesses in the month of December. Okay, that's it. That's the only capacity that we have. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash audit. Fill out the form and let's make 2024 the best year ever. Welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic. And today is all about nuggets. Kasim Aslam. Nuggets. Nuggets. Nuggets of wisdom. It's going to rain nuggets. It's going to rain nuggets yeah. People love our nuggets so much. 
we were like, let's do a whole episode on nuggets. Let's do a whole episode on nuggets. We're going to give you two big nuggets here. And it's interesting how some of these nuggets sort of come up. The one that I'll be doing, I didn't realize was actually a nugget until your guy, John Moran, mentioned it on a, a common customer that we have. And he saw it. He's like, I've never seen that before. And so we're going to talk about that. So sometimes you're you're doing ninja stuff and you don't actually realize that you're doing it or maybe your business is doing it and you don't really realize it because you're so close to it that's definitely the case here and i think with your nugget i think it is just ninja just because it's so cutting edge and you you kind of know that it's ninja so and i and i think that's the reason why we should have it as a nugget because it is a ninja nugget <laughs> so let's get ninja nuggets. ninja nuggets so let's get right into it so uh, you want to do yours first nugget number one for uh, for what you guys are doing i think it's performance max related if i'm not mistaken so it's it's sort of it, it's actually any google campaign in any google campaign there's a category of information called auction insights now here's what's really really important you can go to auction insights on an account level and look at the auction insights for all of your campaigns and what it will show you is who's bidding against you, and what the overlap rate is, and who's winning. So you can see like, oh my goodness, you know, my Acme Co., my biggest competitor, is beating me more often than not, and, and then allows you to make some adjustments. Now, if you've run Google Ads campaigns long enough, you probably know about Auction Insights. Here's some things that you might not know. The Auction Insights change on a campaign-per-campaign campaign basis. So a lot of folks I've seen have the very bad habit of looking at Auction Insights zoomed out on more of a global scale. But if you go in and look at individual campaigns, the auction insights change and they get far more granular. Now, that's important to know, but not even necessarily the Ninja Nugget yet. Here's what I like to do. I like to build campaigns just for auction insights. So if you want to reverse engineer what your competitors are doing, especially around specific products or services, Build a campaign, and generally this works with exact match search campaigns. Build an exact match search campaign. Run the exact match search campaign. Make sure you're bidding enough to show up on the page, but you don't have to bid very high, which actually helps because this is a campaign not meant to produce leads. It's meant to produce data. And the auction insights are going to show you who's bidding and, generally speaking, where they rank. And what I like to do this is I know which competitors in my space are efficient or good, and I know which ones just spend to spend, which is quite a few, actually, to be honest with you. There are some people out there that are just not efficient with their money. And so getting a sense as to what the competitors are doing, how they're doing it, where they're doing it, lets me know how I want to approach this market. So the nugget here is build an auction insight campaign just for the auction insights. And it's going to give you a sense as to what to do in the future. Pretty sneaky. So this is different than insights completely different way different than insights Wait, and insights unto itself is probably its own sort of ninja nugget that although we've talked about it here on the show is pretty amazing but this gives you even a deeper level of granularity like how deep can you go you mentioned the example with acme co or acme co i guess i should i should pronounce it like you know the roadrunner you know acme corporation how deep can you go like will it tell you what they're spending, like what keywords they're using for targeting, like how granular are we talking about? Well, so that's what's kind of cool. That's why I like to go exact match on the search campaigns when I'm building an auction insight campaign, because it's not going to give you the the exact specifics. It tends to be broad. But if you've gone, if you've got an exact match search campaign and you've limited it to a, a certain number of keywords, now you know. 
Ah, okay, gotcha. All right. Now it's like, oh, Acme Co is only bidding on, and then it gives you percentages. So let's say you have three competitors. It'll show you impression share for each of those, overlap for each of those, top of page rank for each of those. So now you can build kind of a graph of what the the comp. It doesn't work for long tail phrases as well as it's going to work for like you know middle of the lane. But this is this is also really helpful. If I was if I was brick and mortar, if I were local. I wouldn't open a brick and mortar business without doing this. We worked with a, a company that was opening dental offices and the way, dude, it was crazy. It cost a million and a half to open a dental office just between, you know, the, the, the property, the build out, the initial lease, and then all the equipment they have to put in. And the way they found their locations, Ralph, is they had this old guy, I think his name was Hank. And Hank, Hank. used to work for a fast food franchise and Hank would just go to, so it's like, all right, we need a dental office in Dallas. So Hank would fly to Dallas and he would just drive around. And he would like, you know, lick his finger, put it in the air and be like, I think we need a dental office here. And I'm like, go run some freaking traffic, go geographic target this area. And what I would be looking at are a bunch of things actually, but one of them is the auction insights. Who else is bidding there and what are they bidding? And, and if you have somebody bidding, by the way, that's not a bad thing that actually shows you validates the market. somebody who knows what they're doing is, yeah, they're spending money here. So there's somebody who knows how to dig for, for gold has all the stuff to dig for gold and they're actually they're spending some time here and you get to go here too. And, the, and then to add to this and I didn't mean to to turn this into a tool time but do you know Rob Warner? He used to own Invisible PPC. Good dude. Good dude. Rob sold Invisible PPC. I also do another buddy of mine, but he launched a SaaS product called PPC Ad Lab. Hmm. And I'm not an affiliate. I'm not here to sell you this. I actually didn't even know it was going to come up, but it 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 applies because once you figure out who your competitors are you can actually using ppc ad lab and it's it's pretty reasonable it's like 50 bucks a month or something you can and this is a massive violation of google's terms of service by the way the fact that he gets away with this is shocking to me but ppc ad lab will monitor what those competitors are doing what people are doing on certain search terms what ads show up what they're saying in those ads where they show up where they rank and you'll get screen grabs of this and do that competitive intelligence is like truly unparalleled. So that like the technology for this has existed. So being a former PPC guy, like SEM Rush and Ahrefs, which which we used up until very recently, had something similar to this. Like is this, and that was super helpful. You could really spy on the competition. I remember like doing keyword research, validating the market for you know, real estate investing in Lake Tahoe or whatever it happens to be for like a would-be customer and saying, all right, well, we can do that because I know like there's other competitors there and they're spending this much, you know, per click. Is it basically, is it that data or is there a deeper level of insight because it's inside the Google ads tool? It's a deeper level of insights when it comes to the creative specifically. What, what the other tools do is they aggregate. What this tool does is snapshot. So you can actually see, you can say, hey, take a, take a snapshot every hour on the hour for the last three weeks. Show me who was bidding, where they were placed. And then what's kind of cool is you can actually, I don't know if this is built into the tool yet, but I've talked to him about it and, and I know that he wants it to, to reverse engineer it in. Because we know roughly speaking what these placements cost, you can start to see roughly speaking what these companies are spending. But knowing aggregated data is one important piece of you know, the, 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 the data mix. But the snapshot ultra granular data, dude, if I was if I was writing ad copy, especially for a highly competitive industry, I'm just gonna go see what the people that are this is how we write our ad copy. 
I'm just going to go see what's working for you and I'm going to steal it. And, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of other things, spy food and espionage and all that stuff, but they don't get nearly as much data. As a matter of fact, I'm on PPC Ad Lab's website right now and he's got a bunch of screen grabs of espionage, spy food, SCM rush, and he's showing you how their data is limited versus the PPC Ad Lab data. Got it. So it's like, it's not a tool that you have to go out and buy. It's now included inside the Google platform, which is really is the, but better, more granular and absolutely the way to go. And you would say launch a campaign like this just to gain some competitive insights before you launch the first campaign. Is that the recommendation? Dude, if you're going to open a new market, open a new geography, sell a new product, sell a new service, modify a product or service that you currently have, go do an exact match campaign so you can see what the competitive market looks like, see what that landscape looks like. It'll, it'll just give you so much in the way of preparatory. Is it the right word? Like get out ahead of, be, be ready for, you know what their offer is, you know what their discount is, you know what their messaging is, you know what I mean? Like, like why not have that before you start trying to steal their customers? You're going in wide, eyes wide open. Yeah, you can see everything right. that they're already doing. Well, that that is a great tool. So that is, is it a tab specifically? Where do people need to find it? You start the, you just part of the campaign setup. Like where do people go to, to actually leverage this tool? Auction Insights, you can't, you actually can't not find your Auction Insights. Once you're inside of the campaign, there's two menus on the left-hand side of Google, two vertical menus. There's the, the dark menu that gives you your, your, your overarching campaign. Think of that as your table of contents. And then there's a light gray menu underneath that, the, the secondary or tertiary menu, if you count the, the main horizontal menu. And within that, you're going to see campaigns, ad groups, keywords. It's a Auction Insights is right there. Click on Auction Insights, and then it gives you a little grid, and it shows you everybody that's bidding against you by domain. And then it gives you a bunch of really cool data on who's bidding against you and in, in what capacity. That's amazing. Very, very cool. So definitely check that out. So our insight is this one, the, the nugget, which John Moran identified. And this does relate back to our conversation from our previous episode of Perpetual Traffic, which is measurement and actually using Google UTMs and how you actually set up your campaigns inside Facebook itself. So one of the big things that we always talk about is like when we do an analysis of a, of a new potential customers, we'll go in and we'll look back in the last 90 days, see what they've been doing, like what their performance is like. And typically we'll, we're able to sort of fumble around in the dark and figure out like how things have gone, where we can improve. And then we turn that into a plan, like a, an action plan for the next 90 days or so when we engage in the customer and sort of say, all right, this is what you've been doing. This is where you are right now. This is where we can actually make some improvements. The one thing that I never, ever see is really, really good naming conventions in the campaigns themselves. And I don't know how anyone can, and we, you know, we spend in excess of $100 million a year just on social, just on Facebook alone. No, not even including any of our Google spend. So the point is, it's like we're managing a ton of stuff and we've got tons of different media buyers, some coming in, some coming out, like ads managers helping out. Like we need a universal way in which to be able to analyze the data and figure out what's working, what's not working literally in an instant, not to mention the fact of we want to be able to call up certain campaigns in a logical way in order to assess their health to figure out what optimizations that we need to make. In addition to that, 
if you have a common language, there's a reason why we all speak a common language so we can understand what each other is doing. Like it, so I can communicate with you. You understand what I'm saying. We're both speaking English right now. It's 26 letters. The last time I checked, you know, it all it's configured in different ways. All this It's basically it's a naming convention. The alphabet is a naming convention. And when you look at campaigns, you need the same amount of precision so that if there's a media buyer on the account and then maybe it changes at a later date or people come in and out or you have creative people that come in and out, you need to be able to read what's going on. Need to be able to read the echocardiogram, so to speak. And that's why naming conventions are so vitally important. And so the first thing that, that we do, we can actually we're gonna put this together in a downloadable cheat sheet that you can get over at tier11.com forward slash naming. But the whole idea behind naming conventions is that you wanna create a consistent naming structure across all customer accounts, which allows everyone easy access, but also reporting so that we can pull data. We use Google Data Studio to pull reports, and we want to be able to use these naming conventions that are universal so that every report is, is actually archetyped in the same way, or actually the architecture is, is exactly the same. So at the campaign level, and like I said, we'll give you a copy of this if you want to get it as a download. In essence, on the campaign level, there's a certain type of naming. So it starts with owner, level, funnel product name, objective, identifier, and date. Every campaign starts that way. Can I ask a question? Sure. Owner is, is who? Is that the business? Is that the stakeholder? It'll typically be T11. So okay. in this case, it's like it's our own campaigns, and this is how we can differentiate. Like when we take over a new account, we might start managing the older account, the, the active ads that are in the account when we take over active management, and we will change the names to our ownership name. But we also want to be able to look back previous to campaigns that maybe are paused or used to work but then we can go back and use them as references and they're different naming conventions. So we want to be able mm. to name everything when we take ownership to show like, this is where we sort of started. So owner is tier 11 in this case, it could be your, your name, it could be your, you know, your, your business's name, the level of traffic, which is level one through level five, level one, which I'll explain here is cold traffic. Level two is warm traffic. Somebody who's engaged with your page, maybe watched a video, maybe clicked through to a landing page. Level three is somebody who's actually looked at a particular product. Level four, someone who's actually added to cart. Level five is previous purchasers. And we'll leave links in the show notes for previous episodes where we go through this, like the e-com ad amplifier and a bunch of that. So funnel level after name, and then there's funnel and product name. So let's say it's Qasim Aslam's awesome lead magnet. You know, there's the product name, the actual funnel itself. Then there's the objective, which in most cases is conversion, unless we're running like a video view campaign or a clicks campaign. And then there's some kind of unique identifier there. This is like where the, the, the media buyers can have, you know, a level of creativity it might be you know something specific to like version two or maybe v v3 like that sort of thing some unique identifier about the campaign and then the last thing is the date so today's date you know 7 14 22 that kind of thing so there data creation or date of launch date of creation okay yep date of creation or date of launch i mean usually they're one and the same but it's usually date of creation so at least so you can, like if you created it today and then 
three days from now we go and we hit go, you don't update the date. You leave it at whatever date was initially inputted. We leave it. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave it. I mean, in some cases we might go back and, and change it if it's a campaign that was put together, or created, and then you know, for whatever reason it was delayed, like the launch was delayed, we'd go back and and you know update that that date for the exact date of the launch of the campaign. But in most cases, it's like the date of creation. So the point is, is like you have you have a very specific way in which you look at every single campaign. So once again, it's the owner, which is the name of your company. It's the level of traffic, level one through level five. It's the funnel product name. It's the objective, which in most cases is conversion. Some kind of unique identifier, which is a little bit of creativity there. And then last but not least is the date. And that's how the whole thing starts. So that's at the campaign level. So example, it might be, you know, for a funnel, it might be autoimmune dash webinar. It might be superfood blend 11 or something like some kind of unique identifier that you know, like this is that product, that specific funnel, that particular pathway for customer acquisition. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I think that's brilliant. And I love the way that you preface with, it's the common language. It's how we all know, you know, because, and maybe I shouldn't contextualize it this way, but people get hit by a bus. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or maybe less extreme. My controller two days ago sent me a text message saying, Hey, don't feel good. Can't come in. And, and we had, we had, you know, I've got 85 employees. We had payroll to pay. Yeah. And I'm like, I just realized I was like, Nobody else knows how to do that job. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you know, if that happens now, somebody else can step in and at least see like, oh, this is level four. Got it. That's, that's super helpful. And, and probably a lesson you learn the hard way, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we have learned it the hard way. It's the reason why we have an SOP for it, which we're going to be giving away here. But yeah, not to be lost in all this. And I think we mentioned this briefly and kind of went right into campaign naming is just using like the understanding of UTMs, which I guess we can get to on the ad level, but like you should at the very least be gathering some kind of some kind of measurement. If you're like at the very right. least, you should be using Google Analytics. I'm sorry, that's the reason why in our last episode we talked about the importance of Chris Mercer and how I'm taking his class right now. Like it's super important. So if you don't know how to use UTMs on the ad level, that's all at the ad level. Like we have it in this SOP, like right at the top, because it's one of the most important things is definitely use that layered upon this naming convention, because otherwise you're going to be driving yourself crazy, trying to make sure you understand what's going on. And especially if you have multiple people on your team, like I said, it's a common language. So in the, in the download for this cheat sheet, we'll give you like the naming conventions that we use for objective. A conversion is CONV, video view is VV, traffic campaigns are TRAFF, like that kind of thing. DPAs are named DPA, that kind of thing. So, and we'll give you examples of all of these individually. The next level down is it's campaign ad set, ad set level. So once again, the template naming for this one, similar to campaign, is, levy, is level of traffic, might be level one through level five, okay? Audience type might be like interest, right? In this case, INT, or maybe a lookalike 1% or a lookalike 3%. Those would be LA1, LA3. Like in an instant, a media buyer will be able to look into this and say, oh, okay, I got it. It's level one. They're using a lookalike. 3% immediately, the first two parts of this naming convention, they immediately get a snapshot and understanding of actually what's going on. Then it will be name of audience, something that's maybe a little bit more descriptive, you know, interest, 
you know, real estate investing might be that name of audience. Then we add in country, age, gender, placement. In some cases, might be all placements. And then a couple of other identifiers, as well as maybe conversion window in some cases. But this one sort of goes on depending on level of granularity. And we'll give you examples of all this inside the download. Maybe the custom audience name might be an identifier. So that might be CA, you know, all leads, something like that. So you immediately understand within the first three to four, you know, groupings of letters exactly what this part of the campaign at the ad set level is trying to do. So at a glance, you can understand very quickly, you can make your optimizations fast. That's the other thing. It's a huge time saver. This probably saves the average media buyer like tens, like tens of hours per week, which is a lot. Just trying to figure out where to go and when. I want to lob a grenade here. I contend that you can't manage campaigns effectively if you don't do this. And to use the example that you just offered, lookalike audience, 1%, 3%, whatever. That will tell me the level of dilution to expect. So if I can see at a glance that, oh, this is a 3% and not a 10% or, or you know whatever the spectrum might be, my decision-making is going to change what the intent is. What, you know what I mean? Like You can't manage campaigns with, I, I guess I'll say with ease, if you haven't given people the ability to diagnose and prescribe properly, and this is the only way to do that. Otherwise, every single time the media buyer comes in, they have to open up the campaign, open up the ad group. I'm using Google terms, by the way. I know there are Facebook terms. But I, you know, if, if you've got an agency that doesn't have some system of nomenclature, my question is, is, well, how the hell are they doing their job? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was kind of all over the place until we, like we did this probably 10 years ago. Like, I think this SOP has been updated. I'm looking at it right now. It's been updated. Yeah, it was updated within the last three months. So there's some other identifiers that are in here. But yeah, there's no way you can run campaigns, at least in an organized fashion. Like this, I I said this saves tens of hours. I would say dozens of hours every single week. Because if you're not doing it, oh, yeah, easily. So like we've added... Google makes it a little easier on us because we've got, you know customized columns, segments, so that the, the data is more readily available there at a glance. In Facebook, you have to make it available. Like you have to show this is what it is and here's why it's relevant. Hey guys, it's Kasim here. And I'm so sorry to be the doom and gloom guy, but I'm hoping this acts as a bit of a wake-up call for you. We've been talking a lot about how the iOS thing has advertisers flying blind, sprinkling in the rising cost of ads and supply chain issues. I think we have a real entrepreneurial challenge ahead of us. And the bad news is, a lot of businesses are going to be washed away over the coming months. The good news is that the ones who adapt are going to come out even stronger. That's why it's important to focus on the things that you can control. Tighten up your website, improve your CRO, collect as much first-party data as you can, and test, test, and do more testing. And if you need help with that, go to our friends at Conversion Fanatics. They're running hundreds of tests in all sorts of industries, so they know what's working now. Check the show notes for the link, or you can visit them at conversionfanatics.com. So the template, which once again, we're going to give this to you for free over at tier11.com forward slash naming is at the ad level you start with the ad unit then the creative format product descriptor copy headline landing page and then post id so taking a step back 
ad unit might be image, video, carousel. If it's dynamic creative, it might be DCO. The next step is creative format, which is maybe square or portrait. And the descriptor for that might be SQR or portrait, which is PRT. The next step is product, maybe just an abbreviated name of the product, you know, something that your team knows or can self-identify based upon just a couple of words there. We try not to go any longer than six or seven letters. Then the descriptor is maybe one to three words to describe the image of the video that's used in the ad. Then the next step, the next section is copy. And that's maybe copy 02 or copy 03, whatever copy variations that you might have. And then it's your headline, which is maybe headline four or H4. And if you're doing call to action variations, you might be be doing CTA shop, CTA learn, CTA download, CTA purchase, whatever it happens to be. And then if you're testing landing pages, that's where you put like LP3, LP2. And then last but not least, which is the post ID, which is the, the actual identifier for the post. When you click on the actual post and view it inside Facebook or on your desktop on facebook.com, it's the last, I believe it's either 12 or 16 uh, numbers at the very end of the post. And you can pull that right off the URL. We use that as an identifier so that we can use that for social sharing. Obviously, it doesn't work for dynamic creatives. That one's typically optional in a lot of cases. But in most cases, we do use post IDs, especially if we know it's a really, really high performing ad, specifically with headline copy image that all work really well together, we will repurpose that. And that way it aggregates a lot of social proof, but all that will be in the download over at tier11.com forward slash naming. So that's in the last but not least part to this, which is actually in the first part of this whole standard operating procedure or SOP that we use is how to use UTMs. And that's just a, there's a basic course in there, just how to do it and how to use it correctly. And there's actually a way in which you can have it self-populate inside of Facebook, but definitely use your UTMs at the very least. Start capturing data inside your Google Analytics account, because in the coming months and years, it's going to be even more important. I kid you not, it's a pain to do it. But the, uh, the SOP here actually gives you a pretty good description of how to do it. And best of all, Facebook actually allows you to self-populate. It's a pretty great tool on the ad level. So really important to have your naming conventions correct to start with, starting at the campaign level, like I said, all the way through the ad set level, and then last but not least on the ad level. And for all these individual parts of the naming convention, we always separate each section by a dash. A lot of people use an underscore line. We use dashes between all parameters, but do not use spaces. And that's in the SOP itself. So make sure that you do grab this. One of those things that we've been perfecting for years and years now, I want to pass it on to you, the PT listener. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash naming, download your copy of our naming convention for campaigns and ad sets and ads and use it. Start using it Go back and retrofit your campaigns, ad sets, and ads, and start gathering that data inside Google Analytics at the very least. If you're not using a third-party tracking tool, definitely use the free stuff. Highly encourage you to go back and listen to the Chris Mercer episode just a few episodes back. Both sections, super important. 
and uh, make sure that you do leave us a rating or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow me and Kasim over on Twitter. I'm Ralph HB and he's Kasim Aslam on Twitter. Go back and listen to the previous episodes. Like I said, all the resources and show notes, as well as the link to the naming convention that we want to give you for free is over at perpetualtraffic.com. On behalf of my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam, peace. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic, 